Hello and welcome to the In The Money Media Network. I'm choosing those words very carefully because while this piece is going to air at the beginning of the regular late week In The Money Players podcast, it's going to do double duty on an iTunes thread introducing a new show. Before we get to that, though, I want to bring in the usual co-host of this late week show. He's also the chief creative officer here at the network. He's the people's champion, Jonathan Kinchin. JK, what's up? PTF, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be with you today. And and uh, I've been listening to iTunes, a song on repeat all day today. Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> You've tipped your hand, JK, as to what's going on here. And what's going on is we're very proud to announce the newest member of the In The Money team. He is a man who's been on these shows many times before. We had the pleasure of working with him for many years. In fact, he's the original host of the show that eventually evolved and became the In The Money Players podcast. We are talking about TV's Matt Bernier. Matt Bernier, welcome to the network. What's up, boys? Thanks for having me. This is obviously something that uh, Pete and Jonathan, we've, we've spoken about this for quite a while now. This isn't something that has just sort of happened overnight. We've been kicking the tires on it for, for quite some time, and I've, I've missed sort of the, the free form or the, the I don't want to say loose format that is a podcast, but the idea of just being able to riff for a while. And um, since uh, not being at the racing form anymore, that kind of that void was there. And I've had a number of people ask if I was ever going to get back to it. And it felt like uh, teaming up with you guys was just kind of the, kind of the right move. So hopefully um, I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited and hopefully, hopefully people out there aren't going to hear this and go, Oh Jesus, not this guy again. <laughs> but uh, I'm hopeful people will be interested to, to hear what, uh, what's still to come. I know that's happened to both JK and I in various points of my life. I always feel for the, the jump racing fans who hear me over when I do my appearances as the international correspondent on the final furlong podcast, because anytime they hear the American accent, those jump fans know they're going to be getting a flat episode. They're going to be disappointed. I can guarantee you they're saying in their various accents, not this guy again. And JK, well, you know, I mean, I'm, I have a feeling you've heard that once or twice in your life. <laughs> Oh, we're starting early, are we? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I dragged myself down with you, so I didn't think it's too bad. But the show is going to be the Matt Bernier Show. Tell the listeners, Matt, what the, they can expect from this new pro, new in quotes podcast. So it's it's. I think it's going to have a lot of the same elements that the old podcast did. Um, for what it's worth, it's only going to be one a week. Uh, we'll we'll cross that bridge down the road, but for right now, it'll be one as opposed to the two that I used to do, uh, and it'll be at the beginning of the week, either Monday or Tuesday. Uh, preferably, it'll it'll probably be up for the most part on Mondays, unless there's some sort of a travel thing. Maybe it goes up on Tuesday, but it'll be kind of the the recap show that I used to do, where you go back, we'll take a look at some of the things that happened the weekend prior, um, how that could potentially affect things going forward, and then also, you know, we the three of us have have chatted for a while and. And I want to include Drew in on this as well, obviously, the idea of, you know, adding a little bit of sports to it where and I know some folks when I used to do the previews um, and I would do the little NFL trifecta, some people enjoyed it. Some people were just kind of indifferent on it. I, I still think there's this is not going to be so. Put it this way, it's horse racing, first and foremost, no question. 
but I think we want to have a little bit of variety in there as well. And look, if there's other, any other kind of crazy story that's going on, maybe we'll touch on it as well. But uh, it'll be a lot of let's go back, see what happened the weekend prior, how that can affect things going forward from a racing standpoint, but also uh, from a sporting standpoint. You know, if there's some sort of big news and, and uh, you know, the Super Bowl was last night, I'm sure we'll touch on that briefly. Um, or if there's anything else that's just kind of newsworthy, we'll touch on that briefly as well. So, uh, like I said, it should be every Monday for the most part. Uh, there will be a YouTube element of it. Uh, it'll be very similar to kind of how the old show was. And, and on the occasion where I'm on the road and maybe the Wi-Fi is not cooperative, uh, maybe there won't be a visual element of it. Maybe it'll just be a slate. But you'll be able to get it in all the podcast uh, spots you typically do, whether it's Apple Podcasts or, well, I mean, the boys know. Uh, wherever you've listened to this show before, the, the In the Money Players podcast, you're going to be able to find uh, the Matt Bernier show as well. So looking forward to it. We'll be posting links when the shows come out over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Let's talk Super Bowl for a minute, a little unscheduled. We're, we're, we have to squeeze a lot into a little bit of time here for a couple of different reasons. But I know, JK, you had some thoughts on the big game, which uh, from a wagering point of view, I think, unfortunately, after a, a promising start, did not go your way. No, it didn't. I mean, and look, I mean, it's mid, midway in the fourth quarter, it felt like I was already kind of planning where I was going to spend the money, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, it's one of those situations where, you know, you got a little conservative late, I thought. Um, but a lot of times that conservative nature can pay off. So I, I don't – hindsight's twenty twenty. just like racing. We become way too results-oriented. If they played the game again, I think I would take the same side. I would stick with the uh, the 49ers and hope for a couple of uh, lucky bounces in my direction rather than the other way around. So it was a fun game to watch. Uh, happy for Andy Reid. I love seeing people that have success kind of get that validating uh, moment where in, in their career, and I think Andy Reid got that last night. It did seem like the biggest moments of the game, whether there was an important no call, there was the crazy third and 15. It, it did seem like uh, the, the randomness definitely went against the Niners late on. Matt, what were your thoughts? Were you participating? Were you just observing? What Did you have a rooting interest? And, and what did you think of how it all turned out? It was, it was a great experience for me. It made my uh, five-hour flight from Los Angeles go by rather quick. It was uh, pain, painless, the, uh, the American Airlines flight. Um, no, I, you know, I said it all week uh, when, when I was over at TVG talking about, you know, I, I didn't have a strong opinion. I, if I had to, uh, you know, a little bit of a lean would have been Kansas City minus one and a half. I know some places got it at one, but it wasn't a strong opinion. I didn't have any skin in the game uh, watching it. You know, I didn't think it was the – I thought Kansas City was just – kind of I thought they rolled out their let's call it their B effort you know I don't I don't think it was them at their absolute peak and they were still able to get it done I think you know it helped that you had a little bit more of a conservative sort of play call and I mean I know everyone today is showing the the two fourth quarters that Kyle Shanahan has had uh, obviously last night's game but also the fourth quarter when he was with the Atlanta Falcons and they lost to the Patriots and they were up 28 to 3 I mean, the fourth quarter drives are just, I, I hate to say it, they're inept. I mean, they, they just didn't do anything. But I don't think he deserves all the blame there. I mean, I, you know, I'm not just saying it because I'm up here in New England and everyone's, you know, today's a little bit of a, a fun day because we saw Garoppolo just kind of not deliver. <laughs> but boy, I, I, you know, that, that, one, that one throw when he's got, I believe it was Emmanuel Sanders, where he, he has the secondary beat. And you, and I know it's it may, you know it's not like it's a, a cupcake of a pass where he's throwing out to the flat, but still you connect with that. The game is probably over if you score that touchdown. If you're San Francisco and and Garoppolo in the fourth quarter, he just didn't deliver. And it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's part of the game. But 
I, I thought it was an entertaining game. I didn't think, again, it was the, the greatest game of all time, but I thought it was all around pretty good. And, and you do. If you're in San Francisco, you've got to feel you got to feel comfortable knowing that, you know what, you've got a, a good young coach. You've got a solid young quarterback if they choose to keep him. I can't imagine that they won't because uh, he does have the, the team has the opt out at this point anyway, where they could cut bait right now. But I'd, I'd be stunned if they did that. I still don't know that I'm totally sold on Garoppolo long term. I think he's fine. I don't think he's a superstar like some people I think were hopeful that maybe he would be. Sounds both of you made very salient points, I think, about the game. None more so than it's so easy with the wisdom of hindsight to be so results-oriented about this stuff when so many of these games come down to a couple of plays and a couple of situations. Let's move on and talk about some horse racing here. Again, it's sort of a truncated edition, but we need to spend a few minutes anyway looking back at these prep races last weekend. And we'll start it off with the Holy Bull, where Tis the Law comes back, earns a 100 buyer speed figure, and looks every bit the derby contender that many were thinking he was ever since his first start at Saratoga last summer. JK, I know you had some thoughts about the ride you wanted to share. Why don't we start there? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, my I got, uh, you know, two smart people text me immediately after the race, one saying that was the worst ride they've ever seen, and one saying that was a phenomenal ride. So I think that's an interesting topic to, to probably discuss. Um, look, I understand the psychology that goes into some of the riders' decisions, right? After Manny rode his the law at Churchill in the jockey club, he got, you know, just attacked for his ride and got blamed for an awful ride, getting stuck in behind and getting buried and not being able to get out. And so when a you're riding the best horse that you currently ride, right? A, a horse that's the Kentucky Derby favorite and, and you, and you quote unquote messed up the last ride. When the trainer tells you in the paddock to not get into a speed duel, to take him back, get covered up and let him finish. Then like, that's what you do, right? You do exactly what you're told. So I understand that's why he did that. Uh, you know, the other side of the coin is if I break on top and I'm three in front with the best horse in the race, I'm not taking back and getting into a vice and getting into trouble and, and getting in a situation where bad things happen, how we always see one to two shots get beat. I, I don't want that, you know, but then, you know, he's got 70 to one Paco on the outside being reckless and, you know, running at him. And I, I don't think it was a bad ride, but I don't think it was a magnificent, brilliant ride either. I mean, and that's, that's coming from someone who's a huge man, Manny Franco fan. So many thoughts to unpack uh, off that already, JK. But first, I want to throw it to Matt just to get his general take on specifically the Franco ride, but also just his law in general. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like it's one of those things where it, it could be a good ride and a bad ride at the same time. I, I know that sounds like maybe it's a bit of a cop out, but uh, like Jonathan said, you know, when you break on top and you're you're already putting two lengths on the field going into the first turn. I, I don't think in a perfect world, regardless of what the instructions are, I don't know that I want to strangle the horse back and get him into a pocket the way that he did and get into a really tight situation. At the same time, Manny did what he needed to do when, when the time called for it, where he was able to angle out into the clear. For me, everyone is focused on the ride. To me, it has so much more to do with the horse, what we saw on Saturday. The fact that he did break as alertly as he did, I know he's a little bit sharp off the layoff, but for him to break as alertly as he did, to get into a little bit of a box that he did down the backside early on. But then when Manny asked him to angle out over heels for a horse to be able to do that, then go up and procure a position that the rider wanted and then come right back to hand and wait for his cue to actually go rounding the far turn and just completely dust the Pat Fiancone horse who ended up running a really nice race. That to me speaks volumes about this horse. I, you know, a mile and a quarter, 
who knows at this point, it's, it's, it's way too early to tell, but just from a racehorse standpoint, I loved everything I saw from this horse on Saturday. I, to me, whether he ends up being a derby horse or not, I think there's legitimate talent there. I think he's going to be a serious three-year-old going forward, whatever races and whatever dances he ends up going in. I'll start with where you began, Matt, and go a little bit deeper in that direction. I think it can be a good ride and a bad ride at the same time. And I think it comes down to what the goal of the connections are. If the goal was to win the Holy Bull, I think it's a terrible ride. And if I bet out on Tis the Law in the race, I would have been nauseous at points. But when you think about the long-term development of Tis the Law, the athlete, and the long-term goal of the Kentucky Derby, I think he's going to get so much more out of that experience for having endured the quote-unquote bad ride. And in that sense, Manny Franco gave him training that Barkley Tag can't give him in the morning. These races at this stage of a three-year-old's career, they're so important in terms of the overall development of the horse. And I think what you just saw there from Tis the Law might end up moving this horse forward. And Manny Franco may have done him a tremendous favor while at the same time making anybody who wagered upon him completely insane in the moment. I think you can hold both of those thoughts in your head at the same time. And JK, you said it, you described him as the one to two shot that I think we thought he was when we previewed the race. How about this? This horse ends up paying 460. Huge That's overlay, crazy. huge overlay, it, six to five. Any theories on that? Here's the thing that I'll say. And, uh, I, I think that people were questioning the layoff and, and uh, you know, he didn't win his last race. And I think maybe they thought this wasn't going to be the race. Maybe he would be a little bit short here and, those maybe that's why he kind of you got away with the six to five. It seemed like free money at this point. But I, the problem I have with it, and the problem I have with a lot of of, of Monday morning quarterbacking, whether whether it's you know we talked about this off air, whether it's Kyle Shanahan's end of the half um, decisions with clock management, whether it's you know Joel and Javier's rides on Hidden Scroll last year, or it's this Manny Franco thing. Manny did the exact same thing, essentially, essentially that he did in the jockey club. And, and he was the worst, it was the worst ride of the year, but because this one worked out, it was smart. It, it reminds me of like that Mike Smith stuff when he made those middle moves on Abel Passman. It's brilliant because it worked. If it wouldn't have worked, we would have been, we would have strung him up outside of Saratoga and, and, you know, and poked him with, you know, hot iron. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous that you can, see the same action. And then based on the result, you say if it was a good or a bad action, I, I, that part is, is maddening to me. There's not nearly as much to say in my opinion about the other two prep races. So with that in mind, Matt, if you have a final thought to button up the Holy bull before we move it on to the withers, I, I think that might be appropriate. No, I, I thought all in all, you know, uh, maybe Toledo uh, a bit over bet. You know, I, I thought it was telling that Chad ran him right back there as opposed to an allowance race. But clearly the horse, you know, I mean, got, got a little bit far back early on, but maybe he's not quite uh, what the connections had hoped he would end up being. And, and the, the being cone horse is not bad at the Indian. I believe his name is, uh, you yep. know, I, I, I thought, I think he's a fine little horse. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to look at him as a, as a derby threat, but um, all in all, I mean, the story going in with Tis the law and coming out at him as well. All right, let's move on to the Withers. Max Player gets the job done with an 86 buyer speed figure. Matt, we'll keep it with you for a thought on this one. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, everyone has kind of talked about it. a bit of a painful race to watch the stretch run. Uh, they crawled home there, and, and look, it's good that this horse has got the mile and an eighth under his belt, and he looks like a horse that'll just he'll keep running. The question is, how fast is he going to run? 
how, how quickly is he going to be able to finish nine furlongs, 10 furlongs, whatever the case may be. But it was a fine effort. But at the same time, you know, you, you, I think it's difficult to look at a race like that and say, well, he was much the best. I, I don't know that you can say that when you consider the start that Monday morning QB had completely spotting the field two or three lengths when on paper going in, he was a horse that figured to figure prominently early on. And for him to rally the way that he did, but you saw he was still green and goofy with the lead changes and things of that nature. I don't know what I want to do with that race as a whole going forward, but uh, you know, credit to Linda Rice. She took a shot there with Max player coming out of that race at parks and it paid off here. They've got some points and, and I'm sure they'll be looking, uh, looking forward to a race, maybe like the wood Memorial. I'd be surprised if you turn him back to the, one turn uh, mile in the Gotham at this point, maybe you maybe you give him one and then you just get ready for the for the wood at a mile and an eighth. But yeah, I, I don't have anything special to really add about this race. I thought Monday morning QB showed some real talent, like you pointed out. That was a, a, a very inopportune beginning. I'm still not convinced that uh, the mile and an eighth is even where he's going to be his best. That's a horse that I'm willing to take out of this race and look look to potentially uh, bet on where he ends up next. I would assume the, the Gotham cutback might be suitable for Monday morning QB. Do you have any thoughts on this one, JK? I mean, really all I have is, is uh, no trips. No bad trips and slow races. I just don't think the race was that fast, and so I don't want to get over. I agree on a normal Wednesday, Thursday, and an allowance race where I can have the opportunity to bet Monday morning QB back off of the trip that he had. Great. But who they're going to end up facing next time, there's going to be a faster horse in that race that's coming from either Florida or, 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 or Tampa or wherever. I'm not crazy about his chances based on the, the final figure. It just wasn't very fast. I think shorter might be better anyway. He's just a horse I'm going to keep on the radar, even if things don't go well next time. That's a horse who I figure to bet at some point in the course of the next couple of months. You're right. It might not be the Gotham, depending on what all ends up happening there. Let's move out west to the Bob Lewis, where Thousand Words, who you uh, were a believer in on the show, JK, ends up getting the win with a 92 buyer speed figure. Not exactly a, a move forward. Kind of looked like, the best horse just won the race and he's probably the sixth best in the Baffert barn. Am I being too cynical? Yeah, I don't think he's that. I don't think he's the sixth best. Um, he's definitely probably the third best. He's probably not the top two. I will say this. He's got the look of a horse that will run all day long. Grindy. And he looks like a horse that when he runs in the, in the Sandy, the Derby or, or, or if he ends up, you know, being the Baffert horse that goes on the road to Oakland or, or wherever he shows up. I'm hoping he runs third, gets into the Derby, and the mile and a quarter is going to hit him square in between the eyes, and he's guaranteed to be in the try in the Derby. So um, that's what I'm hoping happens with the housing words. I just don't think the mile and a 16th is his game. The mile and an eighth is going to help him out a lot. He's a very grindy-looking horse. He looks very comfortable like the three-eighths pole if you watch that race. He was just, just grinded away, grinded away, and, and I think the mile and a quarter is going to be absolutely perfect for him. That makes sense to me. Matt, what were your takeaways from the Bob Lewis? I think overall, um, I, I'm looking at the graded stakes races that we saw in California as two-year-olds and now starting here as three-year-olds. And the horses that have run in those races, I'm just not super wowed by. Um, obviously, everyone knows about Nadal. And I know Authentic, you know, he could be anything. But when I see a horse like that who, who nearly goes over the inner rail, you know, on his own, I, I don't, I, I need to see a lot more maturation before I go buying into him possibly being a derby horse. The talent is there. I just, I, I don't, I, I want to make sure that, that he's got a mind, you know, in his head rather than just going out there and being a running fool. 
Um, Nadal is the one that everybody's going to keep an eye on. But as far as this race is concerned, yeah, I, I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was anything great either. I thought it was just sort of nondescript. And I think that's a little bit of a departure from what we've seen over the past handful of years in Southern California. It feels like early on, they really establish a pecking order. And then every, every other jurisdiction kind of needs to play catch up. And I don't, I don't feel like that right now. Of course, we're saying this on February 3rd, or I'm saying it on February 3rd. We've got a long way to go, but I don't know that, that I would look at California right now and say, oh, well, they, you know, the Derby goes through Southern California right now. I just, I, I don't feel that way where I have probably felt that way over the past handful of years. Um, still early, a lot of things can, can play out. But as far as this race is concerned, I thought it was fine. Uh, inoffensive would be the way that I would put it. <laughs> I like it. All right. We have a guest coming up. I am going to let you two get a move on and uh, move on to the next part of the show. But uh, Matt, when can we expect to hear the first Matt Bernier show? Uh, If all goes as planned, it should be up sometime on Monday. And we're going to need to figure out, uh, you know, Pete, you and I will talk about some of the logistical pieces, but uh, I'm going to change a couple of equipment things. I need to empty out my little second bedroom studio because it's loaded with boxes right now so we got to clean all this stuff out so we're ready to go but uh yeah it should be within the next week or so and and uh like i said looking forward to it and we'll have plenty more to come and i'm sure there'll be plenty of cross-pollination between my show and and uh, the flagship with you guys so looking forward to everything really appreciate the opportunity and excited to get back into it going to be a lot of fun i look forward to shuffling the deck as well we're shooting for monday the 10th a closing thought from you jk before we let you get back to your nhc prep maddie i extremely happy to have you on board man I'm excited about it I'm glad to uh to, to spend this next year brainstorming and coming up with some really good ideas and doing some fun stuff I'm glad to have you on the team thank you buddy appreciate it